Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. This is your World Cup post-game. My name is Jack Collins and I'm delighted to be joined by two of the Athletic's finest today. Mr. Peter Rutz, how are you doing, mate? Hello, mate. Yeah, not too bad. Glad to be here. It's been another good day of uh, World Cup action, so I'm happy. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, Mr. Rich Amofo. It's been a little while since the preview show. Rich, how are you doing? Yes, but uh, I'm all good, thank you. I'm all good. Yeah, really good to be here with you guys. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Four cracking games to talk about. Uh, we're going to start with Spain, Germany. We'll go through, obviously, Japan, Costa Rica. Uh, the shock there, the shock of Belgium losing to Morocco 2-0. And, of course, that Croatia-Canada game as well. But we'll start with Spain, Germany. One all, Peter. But I think maybe one of the better games we've seen in, in terms of technical quality across this entire tournament. It was two very high-level teams for long spells of this game. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Technically and, and tactically, probably probably the best game we've seen, actually, in, in that sense. Um, two very high-quality sides, as you say, um, set up in a very intriguing way, the way Germany set up to try and stop the Spanish midfield to make it difficult, to make it a little bit more stop-start. And I thought they were pretty good at that in, in the main. Um, didn't really see the same amount of Spanish consi- uh, quality consistently that we have done, or we did against Costa Rica, that, that those wave after wave of attacks. But um, it was a really finely balanced game. Two teams that both lacked a number nine, threw on a number nine and found the back of the net. Um, and I think, you know, I think Germany would be pleased with the point. I think the result earlier in the day sort of changed probably the mentality and probably made it the technical and tactical game that it was because there's there's less emotion in it of course it's massive you know if Germany lose it then their fate's not in their hands anymore but um it just it just added a sense of control we we can we we know that we want to win we need to win but a point isn't a, a complete disaster and um an enjoyable game in the end uh, it sort of opened up towards the end but um you know I think both sides will will, will take a point um yeah yeah, they'll run with it, I think, is is probably the right phrase I would go for. Anyway, Rich, what did you make of Germany? Because, actually, we saw them in the first half against Japan. They looked pretty sharp, and there were some nice tilts down that left-hand side to get David Raum in behind. There were some really nice moments, I thought, generally, from from a kind of across the whole, the whole German perspective. Then, obviously, with the two Japanese goals in the second half, that all kind of gets forgotten in the kind of melee of the loss. But actually, there was a lot here in the first half that I was like, OK, we're back to this kind of amount of technical quality. We're seeing these moments and also that press that really did kind of squeeze the life out of Spain a little bit more than we were used to. Yeah, that was the first thing, that was the first thing I was going to say, really. I think, I mean, like, like as, as Pete said, you know, we were kind of were crying out for number nine. But at the same time, I guess before, you know, the number nine did, did, did uh, you know, 
they come on, you know, they, they were pressing really, really well. They're a really cohesive unit. Um, and there was an element of control in their game, you know, the likes of Gundogan and the likes of Kimmich really, really controlling the game with their technical quality. Um, as you mentioned, you know, the likes of, of Ram at left back and, you know, really, really pushing forward as well. You know, you, you're looking at a side who, as I say, I guess from, you know, the last, uh, the goals they conceded against Japan, you know, very uncharacteristic of them, those kind of lapses of concentration. There was a side that I saw anyway, which was, you know, a side which, which did kind of, you know, control games, was happy to, you know, control possession, control, you know, especially, you know, the, the, the middle of the pitch as well. Um, and we saw that against Spain today, you know, they did press the life out of them and they, they for, for last parts of the game anyway, I'd say that they were the better side and it was just a case of putting the ball in the back of the net. And um, as you say, once the strikers came on, they did look a bit more threatening going forward. But in terms of the control element of things, I think they've done really well so far. It's just having that cutting edge. And I think it was really towards the last 15, 20 minutes, I guess, when they were chasing the goal, um, we, we did see that kind of that cutting edge at the top end of the pitch. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, someone who had a bit of a mare, Peter, on on Tuesday. Tuesday was it? Tuesday. The days are all starting to roll into one at this point <laughs> uh, against Japan. Should we say was Nicholas Sula uh, obviously at full, especially for that that second Japanese goal? But he wasn't didn't cover himself in glory from right back at kind of any point. Moved into centre back today, and I thought was excellent. Um, you know, really did deal w- with the Spanish attack well, and and, and got himself in the way of things in, in a far more obvious manner than perhaps he'd done at right back that feels like the move that they're going to have to stick with I think so I think you know it's suited it's suited the way they played I thought Germany dealt with the movement of Asensio really well um particularly with Olmo coming in I think they had a little bit more trouble on that side than than they did anywhere else um behind Tilo Kera but of course right back is an issue for Germany and you've got to find your find your solutions um but I I do think that um Sula was was solid. I think that's he's much more comfortable in that position. We, of course, he would be is his natural position. Um, I think it helped that again, again, it sort of comes back to the mentality coming into the game where they didn't have, there wasn't that same urgency and desperation to win that they could be a bit more controlled and a bit more conservative in the the way that the fullbacks played. Um, I thought uh, Ram was a little bit deeper than he was against Japan, or much deeper yeah. than he was against Japan, and. I think that was just to, to cover those movements from Torres ducking and fielding and Gavi in particular on that right side of midfield. He just didn't really have the same influence in forward areas that we know he can do. Um, and I think that's down to the way Germany set up. And then when you have the midfield going man for man and, and pressing and harrying and winning fouls and um, being smart, you know, it was, a, it was an old team. I think it's, I saw a stat that popped up that said it was the oldest team Germany had played in the World Cup since they finished runner-up to Brazil in the final in 2002. So... You could see that, that, works, that worked all right, as you as you say. Yes. Uh, um, so, yeah, and it made a difference on the day, and you needed that now, so that that, that way to manage a game against a, a technically really strong Spanish team. Yeah. Okay. I mean, Rich, we we talked about the number nines, and I feel like it's time to come on to them. Uh, it felt like Lucho made that decision early doors in in the second half. He's you know seven eight minutes in, he's gone right. This isn't working. We're sticking Morata in, and he got his just rewards for being brave and making that call. Um, because there'd been a couple of moments where the ball had skidded across the front post, and there was no one attacking it, and, and that's the way obviously Morata gets his goal. There's also the element that then Hansi Flick goes right. We need a goal now. I'm going to chuck on Nicholas Fulkrug. Now this I think was probably slightly more of a gamble. Morata's right up in the Spanish top scorers ever in terms of the national team. Fulkrug, this was his third cap. 
So it, it was a bit more of a, of a gamble in that regard. And there's someone who probably wouldn't be in the squad, as they say, if Timo Werner was fit. Uh, but with, with all that said, he came on and made a real difference, as I think he did against Japan. You know, this is a, a player who can cause havoc, can hassle, can harry in the opposition box. And Spain didn't really know what to do with him. No, you know, this is a guy who's, I guess he's coming to the tournament in, 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 in decent form, you know, 10 goals in 16 games in all competitions. And, you know, he's, he, as you say, he's, 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 he puts himself about, you know, he's big, he's strong, you know, he's willing to make those runs in behind as well. And I think that's, that's also important because it's all well and good having, you know, lovely technical players come into feeds and combining and it looks great at times. Um, but, you know, sometimes you do need that number nine who's going to occupy both centre-backs, try and get in behind and, 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 you know, try and cause problems and, and create chances for himself. And you saw with the goal, okay, fantastic run for Musiala to kind of that outset in run, which he which he did, I think he did initially for for, this, for Musiala's chance um, earlier in the half. Yeah. Um, and as you say, Falkirk was there this time to, to pounce and, and I guess show Musiala how it was done, really. I mean, it was a fantastic finish. Someone who put his foot through the ball like he had a point to prove. And, uh, you know, he really did, you know, it was a fantastic strike. And on, on Morata as well, when you look at his goal, you see when Jordi Alba has the ball, you, you know Morata's going to make that run across the centre-back. It's just a matter of of getting the timing right, getting the ball right. And it was a great ball. I know we spoke about Sulo and how impressive he was, but I guess, you know, from a centre-back perspective, you, you know he's going to make that run across you. So you want to get your body there. But... Like on the flip side, Morata is, you know, it's been at the top level for a number of years now. His timing of his movement is fantastic and he got it right there. And it was a fantastic finish. And it just goes to show that when you do have that number nine there, who's a, you know, a clinical finisher, like both of them are, they both, uh, you know, went on to prove the difference today. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder how much of that is going to filter into their coaches' thinking. I, I've got a funny feeling that if filters into Flick's thinking more than it does Lucho's. Lucho backs himself, backs his ability. And I've just got a sneaky that Morata might end up being one of those players. Do you remember when Fernando Torres won the Golden Boot in Euro 2012? And I think he started one game, seven. <laughs> I, I, I've got a sneaky about Morata starting like no games and still winning the Golden Boot, but just <laughs> coming on against tired legs and giving the run around. And um, Peter, last one on this. Should Germany have won it? Leroy Sane slipped through in the last, no, the dying second, shall we say, and won a corner. There seems be quite like a general consensus that winning a corner was a good thing. I was like, I think he should probably score. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll sympathise as a, as a fellow lefty. Um, you don't want to be using your right foot in that situation. You want to get it onto your left as much as you can. I can understand why he's done that. But yeah, probably he should have done. But I mean, there's that that the rust element, isn't there, with him coming onto the field. And to be honest, even with set plays, I, I, I feel like we saw that with, with the goal that, that Germany scored that was ruled out. Um, Spain clearly trying to avoid what could be a weakness in terms of you know their height. They don't really have the the defensive strength in that area, particularly against a, a tall German team. You know, I, there was an opportunity there to, to take advantage of set plays, which I don't think Germany did. I don't think their delivery was particularly good at all. Um, I'm intrigued by their high line. I'm really intrigued to see how this plays out. Um, you see Germany trying to adapt to it as the game went on by starting their runs from deeper. Still didn't work. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But but may maybe there was uh, reason to go, yeah, corner's a good idea because everyone sort of 
think they might score from it, but oh, yeah. he didn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, those transitions and those overloads down the flank started to work a little bit for Germany. Mm. So I can understand how they were they were trying to get it. I also liked Unai Simon basically doing a Manuel Neuer impression for most of this game, like spending half the time halfway up the pitch clearing, making clearances. It was a, a real good little uh, nod to his predecessor there at the <laughs> other end uh, as the original sweeper keeper. Um, but with that, let's come on to the other game in this group where we saw the first shock of the day, Japan losing one. 1-0 to Costa Rica. It wouldn't be the last shock we'd see, Rich. Um, but a funny old game, this. Obviously, Costa Rica scored with their only shot, their only shot on target, their first shot of the entire tournament <laughs> so far. Um, but they're on three points and, you know, they they have a shot of going through, which seems a bit mad to, you know, to be discussing in terms of how badly they played in the first game. They weren't great here for long periods. And yet, three points up, Costa Rica are in the mixer. <laughs> This this is football for you. I mean, the longer that they stayed in the game, you, there was always that inkling that, okay, if they just get one chance, you never know. Almost similar to, to Japan, I guess, the other day. But the more and more Japan were wasteful in their chances and wasteful in their possession high up the pitch, you could just see Costa Rica getting that confidence. And it's almost like had that belief in them as if to say, okay, if we do get this one chance, we have to take it. We're going to take it. We're going to make the most of it. And Fair enough, the goalkeeper should have saved it. But, you know, it was a, it was a decent strike. And as you say, they're, they're right in the thick of it now. Whether they deserve it or not, they were the ones who remained dogged for, throughout, throughout the game. Japan were wasteful, of course, but they, they stayed in the game and they took their chance when it came. And now, now they're right in it. Tournament football for you in its finest form. Uh, Peter, Japan were wasteful, which is just uh, is absolutely spot on. Not necessarily in terms of clear-cut chances being spurned, just kind of sloppiness in the final third, mm. I thought, was what really cost them here. And there was none of the real, that drive and desire that we saw in that first game or in the second half against Germany where they were looking to take on players. It wasn't really until Matoma came on that Japan started to make things click in that final third. And you do wonder about all the changes that were made here by Moriasu. You know, has he underestimated Costa Rica or were these changes that he wanted to do in, in order to get, get some of this squad a game at the World Cup? We saw how that worked for Man, you know, Mancini at the, at the Euros of Italy. He made sure that everybody got some minutes mm. somewhere in it. In terms of squad harmony, that was great. But I think he might have just overcooked the broth a little bit with this one. Yeah, and there was also the element that his changes against Germany changed the game, didn't it? You know, they, that swung the game in their favour and that tactical change. And he, he did the same here, really, didn't he? Switching to a, uh, another back three, really, to try and pin Costa Rica back. Um, but I, I completely agree with the point about being wasteful, but wasteful in possession. You know, they really weren't, particularly in the first half, it was one of those games that they were so bad at it, you sort of switch off from watching it because, you know, they go into the front man and they just weren't holding the ball up well enough at all. And when you're doing that, you you lose momentum, you lose rhythm. And when you've already got that sort of sense, having, you know, achieved such a fantastic result against Germany, there is that fear of the after the Lord Mayor show, after the Lord Mayor show where, yeah. you know, you've done the big thing and this one should just be a procession. And then suddenly it turns out Costa Rica in a 5-4-1 formation and they're being really dogged and difficult to break down. And um, it can get to you. And, you know, those changes at halftime, it was almost like we're trying to repeat the trick, which wasn't necessarily the case in the end and I I do agree that Mitoma made an impact and maybe that rotation as much as you know you want to give everyone games you, you want to give get more games so you can give more opportunities I suppose and, and spread them out a little bit but it felt a bit disruptive um, and, they, and they lacked that quality in the final third um, and sure I mean Costa Rica you know the, it's a great finish in the end from Fuller I mean the positioning of of, of Gonda in goal is it's not great 
Um, I mean, that was a difference really in, in one respect because Kalon Navas makes a really important stop at the other end um, at the death from Kamada, I think. Um, so um, th- those are the, those can be the fine margins in games like this, but it's really disappointing for Japan because to, to have the result against Germany and then to go into the Costa Rica, Costa Rica game can really put pressure on Germany, change the complexion of that final game in the evening. Um, it's, you know, it was set up for them. So, and now it's, it's completely wide open and, it, you know, it's, it's a, such a difficult final game. And in a group that we thought would be a procession, you know, it hasn't turned out to be the case, but it could have been very, very different. So really disappointing from Japan, especially considering how well they played against Germany. Yeah, I mean, Rich, that was going to be my question. Have they blown it in, in terms of a chance? Because obviously they're coming to this final game against Spain. They'll know that a win sends them through. A draw might not be enough, depending on how... Germany get on against Costa Rica it does feel like there's a moment here where where the big opportunity for Japan hasn't completely gone but the door is the door is slammed about half shut yeah I have to agree I mean although looking at this tournament you know you can never say never write anyone and I know off. That, that that is uh <laughs> that is cliche you can't write anyone off but I mean if there was a chance to to go through and, and to you know to really make a statement you know today was the day and Obviously, they will go into that game against Spain with, with slight trepidation. But what I would say as well is that I guess the Germany game compared to today it was a different dynamic. You know, they were going in, into the Germany game as underdogs. They knew that Germany would come on to them and then they would then hit them with a counter. Whereas today was all about Japan, how or when or, you know, if they could break Costa Rica down. And that change of dynamic does, does change the kind of know mentality within the team and within the squad as well um, and I guess they'll go into the Spain game with a similar similar kind of backdrop as the underdogs but um, yeah it would be a tall loss because Spain is, as we've seen you know they've got the quality to to, to break anyone down and um, yeah I guess that they will be kicking themselves for as a result of that. Yeah I, I do fear for Costa Rica a little bit because if Japan were to beat Spain, which is plausible considering what we've seen so far, Germany beating Costa Rica would need them to beat them by eight in order to overturn Spain's goal difference so far. That would be a lot. Uh, and and I, I can see Germany going out with that intent to be like, right, we've got to cover the bases. We've got to cover the bases because <laughs> if Japan, you know, if Japan and Spain draw, we're in trouble. If we beat Costa Rica and we have to absolutely hammer them, if, if Japan get that win... I, I do worry a little bit for Costa Rica and their goal difference off the back of what's gone on <laughs> today. That win might have been the worst thing they could have ever done <laughs> in actually trying to sort themselves out. But they we were under see. a bit of um, bit of pressure today, weren't they? Because of some tabloid stories about you know pictures of the players with wags. I don't know if you saw that, and they were asked about it in the press conference. And uh, yeah, so they they developed like a siege mentality before the game. So you know, I mean, maybe that's what one, helped. In one respect, you know, the result has taken taken some of the pressure off. I think. Yes, well, they've got their three <laughs> points on the board. They are, now, anyway, they are no, they are no longer in danger of becoming the worst, the worst World Cup side in history. So they've got that to take home with them. That's a, a spoon you can take with you. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Um, let's move on to the other group that we saw today, Group F. Uh, and let's start with Belgium against Morocco. 2-0 to Morocco here. And... Let's be frank, you know, I've said this on a couple of things. Sometimes you look at results and go, that's a bit of a, a shock result. Is that what how the game played out? Or is that one of those where you look at it and you go, that's how it deserved to be? This is how it deserved to be. Morocco with a better side for so much of this game uh, against... Sorry, Morocco with a better side against Belgium for so much of this game. It does kind of feel like one of those results you're looking at and going... Wow, that's a that's a moment in the changing of the guard. That's a real... You know, Belgium can still get out of this group, sure. If they beat Croatia, however this pans out this is the end of this Belgium golden generation and we're seeing the decline of some players in a really, really tough way to watch on, on such a big stage, Rich. Yeah. I don't even remember. I think during the um, preview show I mentioned Belgium has been one of those sides who, who could disappoint. And even if they do go through, I think you're absolutely right there in terms of uh, the changing of a guard, the changing of an era, because I think it's very clear to see that there are a number of players in that squad who have come to the end of the road, especially in an international setting anyway. And and today was just uh, that final nail in the coffin. As you say, they might, even if they come and, you know, they, they win the next game and they go through and they do well in the tournament, I think, you know, there, there will need to be changes within that setup. Bringing a new generation, perhaps even a new manager as well, um, and, and, and just freshen things up because what we saw today was just a very stale outfit, a very stale unit who are... Uh, just so used to going going through the motions together. There was no injection. There was no excitement. There was no there was no pressing. There was minimal quality. And as you rightly say, Morocco were, were full value for the victory today. Yeah, it was delightful to see. To be honest, Morocco one of those sides that I've got really invested in out of out of kind of nowhere. And just because everyone else was kind of going, I think they'll come bottom of the group. And I was like, they're going to win the group. And uh, you know, I've made a ter- load of terrible calls ahead of the World Cup, so it's nice to see one of them coming to at least some sort uh, of fruition. But it, it's a it's a really good side, Peter. This Morocco side, and there's kind of quality all over the pitch. Yes, there's probably a little bit less quality when you're looking at the depth of the squad. Um, and yeah, it was two substitutes that have come off the bench today who have scored the two goals, made the difference. Um, and, and when you kind of look at that for, for what this group means and for the fans that were there today, because it felt like a Morocco home game. And, and that's a major, major thing. You know, you're seeing people succeed in front of their own fans. And we saw it obviously with the Saudi Arabia game uh, against Argentina. The, the scenes in the stadium afterwards were absolutely amazing. We saw it again today for Morocco. I think all of this stuff matters because it's what gives a tournament that kind of edge when you're seeing fans who have travelled in, in, in great numbers. And there haven't been maybe the usual fan bases we'd expect this of. When you are seeing you know these North African nations travel in such great numbers, it's lovely to see them get the results on the board that they deserve and that they've earned on the pitch as well. 
Yeah, I completely agree. I think it's those moments, you look for moments, particularly if you're a team that's probably not going to win the tournament, but you want those moments that you can take back and have a tangible impact on football in your country. Um, and it's results like Saudi Arabia defeating Argentina in front of, as you say, thousands of Saudi Arabian fans. And then similarly here with a packed out stadium, um, <laughs> extraordinarily loud national anthem, um, you know, the Atlas Mountains creaking from afar. It was, um, you know, it was really quite quite a special, quite a special game for for Moroccan football, I would say. And not just because of the result, but because of the way they played, because they showed the quality that they have are really good, especially in that that first 11. And and as you say, the subs came on and had an impact too, and a major impact as well. But when you have those quality of players, players that, you know, younger players are looking up to and you're, you're coming through and, can build your game on or get invested in through the occasion because you remember those moments you know um it's it's really important and that's that and it especially so with so many supporters there when that otherwise may not have been have been the case um i think we this is a really high quality morocco team with a clear identity with some very talented players used effectively um, how important it's been to bring people back like Ziyech to, to to just to have some harmony after you know the disruption obviously Ziyech um, fell out with uh, Hali Hodzic. Um, yeah. That's right, isn't it? Um, the previous Morocco manager, and and it, and it makes a difference when you can put all of your best players on the pitch and they're all playing and singing on the same hymn sheet. Um, and we saw that with, with some clever goals, some technically smart players. I thought Bufal had a really good game as well, former Southampton player. Um, and they were just more energetic. They had more about them. They were more dynamic than Belgium. Um, and it was a really sharp contrast because you would you would still say, despite the fact that you know this is an aging golden generation, they probably fluffed their chance. And I wonder how much that that plays on your mind. And maybe there's something to say for having a managerial change, just so you don't have those memories of ah, damn, when we were really strong, we should have won that tournament or yeah. not lost yeah, yeah. To, um, in the semi-finals. Those kind of things. Um, but that, that was a really sharp contrast on the day, uh, not just in terms of performance, but the way the two teams played, the energy they had. Um, and yeah, I, I, I agree that they will cause problems for any team. I think we saw with how Croatia played against Canada, which we'll come on to, how classy Croatia are still, the quality that they have. And while they may have drawn that opening game, Morocco, they, they did so against a very strong side. And in knockout football, anything can happen. So... Yeah, I, I suppose the result today was not a surprise because we know the trends of the two teams. But going forward, I think they can cause some bigger shocks. Yeah, I mean, Rich, I wanted to come on to the, the goal and, and maybe the non-goal as well. Obviously, Morocco had a goal ruled out for offside in the first half that was a direct free kick from that right-hand side, Ziyech whipping it in with his left foot. And then they score their first goal from the other side where Sabiri does exactly the same with his right foot. Um, and Saïs is in the same position. He just happens to be onside this time. It does feel like, you know, when you're looking at a player of... Thibaut Courtois' quality, and we've seen how good he's been in the Champions League, in La Liga over the last couple of years. He feels like a player right at the peak of his powers. And I wonder, you know, he's looking at the rest of his team going, what's going on here? He's like, I've got Kevin, I've got Kevin up there. And then apart from that, <laughs> there really isn't much for me to cling on to. And then he's fluffed at two kind of things that you would expect him to save. Yeah, yes, okay, we can give him the benefit of the doubt on the first one where there's a player interfering with his, with his line of vision. But the second one is poor. 
And and I wonder how much, you know, the kind of group mentality is starting to, to just drag this down because that's not what you expect to see from Thibaut Courtois. And it's also the kind of thing where we started to hear these stories. Kevin De Bruyne is saying, I don't think we're going to win this. We're too old. Hazard saying, I don't think we can get past the semifinals. Maybe our chance has gone. It, it all feels a bit weird. Yeah, the harmony does seem a bit strange. And it's funny you mention those quotes because um, I guess um, Vertonghen came out and said, oh, are we, were we too old? Or, or did that age make us really poor in attack today? Um, so yeah. it's a bit tongue that's in cheek. That's there. gone well, I imagine. Yeah, so... <laughs> well done, Jan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you, you know, you can see kind of what's going on there. But yeah, I mean, you look at you look at Courtois with the goal, as, as you mentioned. And of course, okay, you 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 might look at him and say, okay, you 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 might you know Dan Belladere command six yard box etc. But I mean, it was pretty much a carbon copy of the goal that was disallowed. So you look, you are looking at the defence as to say, okay, we can see this as a tactic where they're going to try and run across you and try and get in that near post and fling balls into that area. So are we going to protect the goalkeeper or are we not? And um, and obviously they they've backcourt wide there, but it seemed like it was an issue for the first goal. So you'd have to think, okay, they're going to try and you know, rectify that for the second opportunity. And they, they, they just didn't. They just let Saez go in there. I mean, Saez, I mean, wow. I mean, I don't think he's ever been that far up the pitch ever. So it was great to see him there. Yeah, nose bleeding. Yeah, I don't want to say it. But uh, yeah, you know, he, obviously credit to him. But you you look at the defence and saying, okay, you know, we'll let off the hook, you know, in the first half. Don't let it happen again, especially experienced players like Tonkin back there at the back. But I guess you look at the second goal, and it, it was it was a goal of real quality. I mean, yeah. you know, as, as as Pete said, you know, ZH getting involved, and it was a fantastic finish in that near post. And uh, goalkeeper had no chance there. But yeah, I mean, you're looking at a side there who, I guess, at that point, just looked demoralised. The heads were down. The body language was really poor. And again, you know, as you say, Morocco, you know, could have got, could have got more after that as well. So I mean, it, it was great. It was great to see from their perspective. But yeah, from Belgian perspective, it was just really poor all round. Yeah, I'd agree. And, and and Peter, I was going to come on to this kind of refresh point. And, and maybe the, the one that kind of made it stick out to me like a sore thumb was the fact that Drees Mertens was brought on before Leandro Trossard, right? And I love Drees Mertens, and I don't want this to sound like negativity towards him because he's had a, a wonderful mm-hmm. career, and I love what he did in, in, Naples, in Naples at Napoli. And I just think he's a, he's, a, he's a great player and a great player to have around. But if I'm Leandro Trossard, having the season that I'm having, and I'm like, this team really needs a spark and someone to inject some life into it. And the manager's gone, Dries, 35 years old, get on here. We want you in next. And I'm sitting there going, hang on. Like, I'm looking there kind of wide-eyed thinking, when's my opportunity going to come? And that's what makes me kind of think that maybe we're just seeing the end of this kind of generation's it's time. You know, Roberto Martinez has turned to his tr- tried and trusted. It hasn't worked for him. Um, and only then later on, you know, 75th minute is he turned to De Ketelara, who appreciate isn't having a great season at Milan in their 70 season, but to Trossard as well. And at that point, you're going, hmm, maybe, maybe it is time to just renew this entire setup. And I wonder how many of this generation might just retire from international football once this, once this tournament is done. Yeah, I, I think it feels that way. I, You know, I, I, you look at the team. I mean, it's this narrative about age and, you know, needing to refresh and has clearly seeped into the group itself. Yeah. You know, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. like that's kind of extraordinary in a way. Um, and it shouldn't be the case because there are still some very high quality players in there. You've got Kevin De Bruyne at, your, at his peak, pretty much. Um, and th- this is the point. They're still not taking advantage of the talent that they have. Um, I mean, for me, as much as it's do with ageing forwards and whatever, it's, it's the back line for me. 
I feel like the stodginess started with their build-up. Um, you know, Vertonghen, Alderweireld have been fantastic servants and they can still do a job, but that needs refreshing. That needs some energy. That needs some impetus. Um, Witzel just seems to be having poor games. And and the point about bringing Mertens on, I, 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 it's almost as though Roberto Martinez is thinking of the mindset of four years ago and the team he had four years ago and is making decisions based on that. Um, because there are still players coming through. There's quality. There's there's Wout Face, who's just joined Leicester. There's, you know, Leandro Trossard, as you say. You know, De Castellet's not having a good season, but there is, there is quality. There are players, yeah, yeah. Um, and Belgium have a squad that is strong enough to compete and should be competing if it's used correctly and believes it can compete. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I do feel like, it, and even if you're in that group, and the fact that it has set in suggests that refreshing is needed just so that they all have a different mentality, so that they can all buy into a new project, a new focus, a new idea, rather than clinging on to those shadows of, of previous failures. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I would agree. And um, just before we move on to Croatia, Canada, Rich, how far can Morocco go? And and I think this is one of those questions where we haven't seen them concede a goal under their new manager, Walid Ragi. You know, this is what his seventh, eighth game in charge of them. They haven't conceded yet. Um, and they've played some pretty decent opposition in that time. You know, we saw what, what Croatia did today to Canada. This is a Belgium side who we've seen cause problems for people, even if they're not the, the side that they once were. There's plenty of attacking talent. There are moments of magic within this side. They're a kind of team that I'm like, I don't, if I'm one of the big guns, I'm like the last team in the world I want to draw right now is Morocco. Yeah, you took the word right out of my mouth there because sometimes, you know, if you are one of the big guns, you kind of want to face a, a side of a similar stature. I mean, obviously, you know, look at their threats, but you know you're at least going to get some joy in behind because they're going to come on to you as well and then you can also hit them on a counter-attack with your transitions whereas with Morocco they are so strong so resolute so so organized uh defensively you know they, they will be horrible to, to to play against especially as you know that all the pressure is going to be on you as well to break them down and yeah. the longer the game goes on you know the the more the you know that their towers are going to be up the confidence is going to be up and as we've seen they only need a chance to 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 capitalize um you know look, i think you know if they can get out of the group no reason why they can't win their last 16 game and you know it'd be magical if they got to the quarterfinals i mean it'd be difficult i mean i can't can't see it i think last 16 probably would would be would be the furthest that they would go but even still it's a fantastic achievement um but again tournament football anything can happen you just need to win one nil just get just through keep, the game just going just keep going yeah exactly and you know they're, they're doing that now you know especially when it gets to knockout football all, all you need is to just remain resolute and then you know get a goal on a counter-attack or, or from a set piece which, which they've done twice today so anything can happen i think you know if they reach last 16 amazing um i think that will be as far as they'll go but i mean if they do progress it'll be it'll be magical it'll be something I'd, that i'd love to see yeah, I mean, look, because if, if they beat Canada, they probably win this group. Um, and if they win this group, then they'll get the second place in Group E, which might well be Germany. And the way the Germany are playing, I can see Morocco beating them. So mm. it, is, it really is one of those. Let's come on exactly. to Croatia, Canada, though. 4-1. Uh, Varna said that this was the best game today in the comments. I, I think it's a, a fair shout in terms of most entertaining. It was it was a really, really good encounter. The way that it swung from, from one side to the other. Canada have been a delight in, in so many different ways in, the, in this World Cup. Now, obviously, they've, they've suffered two losses. They're out of the tournament. 
But in general, I think when, when people were looking at this Canada side who hadn't seen much of them, they probably weren't expecting much. Um, and, and they've brought the game to both Belgium and Croatia. Today, I think they were a little bit outclassed. I think they're incredibly unlucky not to beat Belgium here. Um, but they've, they've brought a whole lot of, of energy, but also of real finesse to this tournament as well. Absolutely. Energy, excitement, entertainment, um, punching above their weight to an extent as well. Um, and, you know, as you say, the, the moment was Belgium. That was the moment, wasn't it, to to get that win, that, first, that win and and really set the cat among the pigeons a little bit more. And they were they were unlucky. They didn't take the chances when they came and, and Belgium somehow scraped through that despite their their self, their, you know, their, their identity crisis at the moment that they seem to have. Um, but, you know, I, I think today we saw the best of Canada. Um, we saw that first goal, which is so important. It's, you know, we were talking about moments before for, for Morocco and Saudi Arabia. The same thing applies to, to Canada, I think. Yeah. Um, a really fantastic goal. I'm glad it was on Alfonso Davis as well. You know, it's, it's difficult when you are the star of the team. Obviously, there's Jonathan David as well. And um, it, there is quality across the board. But to Davis, you know, you, you are the world-class talent, aren't you? So He's the poster boy. He mm. is. He is. He's, he's, he's the guy everyone turns to. And, and when you deliver, it's a, it's a lift for everybody. And it's certainly a, a great moment for him to have that, that label of getting the first goal for Canada at the World Cup. So um, on the day, I think Croatia's quality really, really showed. They're a really classy team. They haven't lost any of that in the last four years. I know time turns, but, you know, maybe Belgium can learn a thing or two from them about There's that. There's been a little bit of refresh in the, in the Croatia <laughs> squad, which feels like hasn't happened at all in the Belgium squad. But alas, go on. <laughs> Um, and I think that's what that's what did for them today. Again, just trying to take those chances and make, maybe it's a different a different story again. But I mean, some Mateo Kovacic today was absolutely phenomenal. Um, I think there may be. I know a lot's been made of, of, of Herdman's comments before the game um, that followed the Belgium one, and I know it was tongue in cheek. But you just don't you just don't annoy a country from the Balkans. I think. Um, <laughs> um, and ultimately, that's that's really. That's, that has ended. I genuinely think they have because Croatia would have taken that. They would have used it as siege mentality. They would have taken it very seriously, and they've put in a first-class performance, raised their game really from the Morocco performance, and and maybe that was the jolt that they needed. Um, so maybe may an element of naivety there. And I know it seems silly, and I know it seems oh, she's just joking, but that's how sports teams can work because it can switch a mindset within team. So yeah. yeah, it's unfortunate, but we saw Croatia at their best today, and 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 it's it's a tough challenge. Yeah, I mean, Rich, in the comments from, from Varney, he says, you know, the midfield three, Modric, Brozovic, Kovacic killed them. I thought Kovacic was absolutely sensational, you know, across the board in, in this one. He was just a real hell of a player in so many ways. Um, but he did all of the hard yards as well as anything else, you know, as well as those twists and turns in midfield that we've seen, as well as those killer passes. He was back in his own box defending. And and look, it, it did feel in some ways, I think saying it was Alfonso Davis versus Croatia was a bit harsh. I thought Tejan Buchanan was absolutely <laughs> sensational as well. But I can kind of see what Van is getting at. The, the midfield three was the difference here. And they, they kind of passed Canada to death in the end. This this is the quality that they've got. This is what they can do. You know, they can turn it on at, at any time. You know, England probably know that better than most. Look at the last World Cup. So, it, you know, and you look you look at kind of England's squad you know, compared to Canada's today, and you know that there is that golfing class. And when they do get given time on the ball 
to assert themselves in the game, to start controlling the game, controlling the ball with their say, the passing, their movement, and just orchestrating play. You know, there were times where Canada couldn't get near, especially the likes of Modric, the likes of Kovacic, the way he drives with the ball, you know, you can't get the ball of them. And you got Brozovic there just, just mopping things up and, you know, playing one touch, two touch. You know, from, from a kind of a, a neutral perspective, it's, it's a joy to watch. You know, when you look, you know, if you're a young player, you want to learn the game and, you know, you think, you know, who are the players I'm going to look up to? You know, those three players should be near the top of your list because the way they receive the ball and the pressure, the way they pop it around the corners, the way they play through balls, the way they intercept balls when, you, when your position have it, you know, it was it was a real masterclass from them today. Um, and, and you know, as, as Pete said, you know, something that, you know, Belgium side can, can possibly have a look at because when you're looking at their senior players stepping up and, you know, taking control of games, You've got the likes of the, the three Croatians there who, who have, you know, have done that on, on a number of occasions. And, you know, I guess from a Belgian perspective, we're looking for their senior players to, to do the same there. So no, it, was, it was a fantastic watch. It was a fantastic, as you say, a real masterclass performance of, of a midfield three. Um, and the shame for um, Canada, you know, obviously they, they scored early. And when I talk about dynamics in games and stuff, you know, I spoke earlier about um, Japan and how their dynamic was them kind of having to chase the game now. And it was the same for Canada, really. I think we, we liked looking at them and kind of, you know, playing in a counter-attack and having to, you know, uh, you know, play in their tra- uh, transitions and using their pace to out, out wide to cause problems. But it's, it's a real, it's a different dynamic when you are having to chase a game and, and assert yourselves. And although they did well, again, to say the quality of Croatia just picked them off. You know, it was like a, you're looking at two, uh, you know, two boxes, one quality boxer, one one mid boxer, and um, they're just getting picked off with shots. And at the end of the day, say they conceded four. But um, you no, know, Canada was still equipped themselves well. It's not. It's not like it was a a failure or a poor performance from them. They just lost to a far superior side. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And and obviously the the big one for Canada is going to come in four years. This is cracking experience mm-hmm. in terms of getting that in the tank and, and, and being ready. And so much of this squad is so young that they're going to be, you know, in a far better place for having had this experience 100%. in four years' time at a home World Cup. So from that perspective, I think everything has been a success in, in, in a Canadian way. Um, just one word <laughs> more on Croatia, Peter. Um, Kramrich played off the right-hand side. Um, which is not his natural position. He is normally a striker, um, but was excellent there, I thought, and and really did give that attack a, a dynamic that we hadn't seen before. Uh, obviously, it was Vlasic in the first game. I didn't think he was great, to be perfectly honest with you, against Morocco. And now, obviously, it was it was a tighter game than this. But when when you look at Kramrich in that role, playing off a striker of, of Levaya's mould, I really enjoy what what he brings to the table if if they're going to play like this because obviously Perisic will go go kind of long and wide on the other side. Juranovic is going to want to get down that right hand flank from right back. It puts him in a really nice position to take advantage, and he had a very cool head for two goals today. Yeah, they they, they missed that focal point, didn't they, against Morocco? They missed that sort of just cutting edge. Um, and you're right. I mean, it's not Kramaric's natural position, but we 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 saw his quality, and it's got him among the goals. Um, which is really, really important. Um, particularly liked, I think it was his second goal. I think it was his second goal where he takes that first touch off yeah. the Perisic pass. That's real, that's real class, that's real quality. Um, and, and that's that's where that team can step up again. You know, they, they, they've seen the, the thing they lacked in the opening game. And, you know, when you've got service from, you know, you, you talked about the fullbacks there, but also you've got Perisic on that side um, who just continuously performs at this very high level so consistently. Um, it's it's a real real attribute, and with the midfield engine they have, as we talked about, it's 
there will be opportunities and you just need someone to to take them. And you're right. I like that balance. I like the balance that they, they struck with, with, with Kramerich coming off from the right. Um, and that's what you, you need your centre forwards to get in amongst the goals. Um, you know, Levire also scored today. So that's, that's all very encouraging for them going forward. And, um, It'd be interesting to see how far they actually go in in, in the tournament because I, I fully expect them to come through the group now. I mean, the contrast between them and Belgium coming into that final game is is pretty strong. It's the World Cup; anything could happen. Maybe there'll there'll be some kind of disaster. Who knows? Um, but you just on the balance think, of form and play, you you'd imagine the play, Croatia relatively ease, ease their way through that game against Belgium. To be perfectly honest with you, comfortably, comfortably, you know, and 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 they've got some good young players coming through that they're slowly building in. Um, getting that experience, building that time, and that will make a big difference going forward as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day here, boys. What, one, uh, what, one quick question for you, Jack, to see if you've been doing your homework. Right, so Davis's goal mm-hmm. is the fastest goal on the group stage of a match at the World Cup since which goal? Uh, what, is it in this World Cup? No, no, no. At a World Cup. Oh, at a World seconds. Cup. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I... Come on, come on. Oh, wow. Let's put you in the spot there. Oh, he's really, he's killed me. Wow. Well. I have absolutely not a Scooby-Doo. <laughs> um, come on, put your Fulham hat on, mate. I'm not a Fulham hat on. Come on. Oh, I Dem- think I've got is it. Dem- is it Dempsey? It's Dempsey. It's yeah. Dempsey. Yes, it is. 29 well seconds against Ghana in uh, 2014. Oh. There we well go. Well done, you got there. Just got there. Especially on a soccer show. I should be getting a Fulham American is, is someone who I should be getting nailed on first time every time. So. <laughs> Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it just about right. Thank you, Peter. I really did need that on the spot quiz at this point. Here we are. Um, all that's left for me to do is say thank you so much to everyone for tuning in and for your comments as well. Thank you so much to Mr. Rich and Mofa. No, thanks for having me. It's real, you know, it's, uh, it's been real. It's been fun. It's been lots of fun. You'll be back very <laughs> soon. Thank you very much to Mr. Peter Rutzler. That's all right, Jack. I've just realised you're going to get me back now, so uh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> <laughs> Questions galore for you next time. Uh, I've been Jack Collins. This has been the Athletic Soccer Shares World Cup post-game, and we will see you very shortly. Take it easy. <laughs>